My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a person without a Patreon. Ooh, and this is Burn Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, wait until the end where we'll explain them. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan or anyone who's involved in the Burn Notice extended universe, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind to burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticedpod. And as always, those are Burn Noticed with a D, like the name of our podcast, which is Burn Noticed the podcast that you are listening to. It is. So, you have a Patreon. This podcast doesn't have a Patreon. Sure doesn't. (laughs) I'm promoting my other podcast on this podcast, Podcast Prime. Suck it. That's fair. (laughs) That's fine. I don't mind being your side piece. I mean, technically, you're my wife and Christina's my side piece because our podcast started far after this one. That's fair. I'm cuckolding you, my loving wife. Oh, my God. (laughs) With my other page on. But uh, yeah, some of you may remember that I have a a different podcast with someone named Christina instead of just Christine. God, you're like my grandma who married two different men named Ken. (laughs) I am. I only co-host podcasts with people whose first name is Chris. My podcast with Christina is called Breaking Out of Breaking In. It's a practical filmmaking podcast where we talk through all different aspects of having a filmmaking career um, and doing it better. <laughs> and we also, for a while, had a Substack where we would post um, bi-weekly bonus materials um, related to the podcast episode. So like, if we did a podcast episode about film festivals, we'd get a lot of like curated resources relating to choosing film festivals. And we'd make custom infographics about like how to narrow down film festival selections. We'd make a template for tracking film festival uh, submissions so that you can make better choices in the future, stuff like that. Like we just basically make you a little care package of film festival stuff um but then substack shit the bed in terms of how it it responded to yeah, uh, or really sure didn't did. respond to yeah it shit the bed i mean in it responded treatment of yeah it, they, like, though, it's, it's I mean, been bad they Basically, responded by saying they, that we're not going to do jack shit exactly so they 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 are not policing and in fact maybe actively egging on uh hate speech against trans people on their yeah. platform and we thought and, like, fuck them they don't get our money anymore prominent trans Exactly. So, or maybe paying. I think that's the thing that it's like, well, it's like they won't confirm or deny that they're yeah. paying them, which just like functionally means they're paying them. You know, it's like Schrodinger's cat, except in this case, the cat's a transphobe. Yeah, uh, for sure. It doesn't matter. We don't need to open the box. We know it. Um, so Christina and I were like, well, fuck this. Let's leave. So we started a Patreon, patreon.com slash breaking out pod, uh, which actually gives us a lot of benefits. Like I do miss Substack's editor, like making posts was a lot easier and was a lot prettier on Substack. No, but yeah, Substack uh, on pretty. Patreon, we now I used have, to have a Substack, ha- but I don't anymore. I figured you were also leaving uh, since yeah. Emily was one of the big like, hey, fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, yeah. So if you are interested in indie filmmaking and want a ton of really great information, even if you don't want to listen to my podcast, or if you do want to listen to my podcast and or uh, and just want to support it, um, patreon.com slash breaking out pod. We are doing good work over there. And we 
pay an editor. And that's one of the reasons why we have a Patreon is so we can try and pay the editor because oh, wow. neither Wait, of us so, wanted to edit it. So this Patreon is like a situation where like I could be friends with you but not have to talk to you or like hear you talk. Yeah, actually. That sounds great. It's one of the easier ways of interacting with me on Patreon is to just not listen to me talk. Just read all of my great, great bonus content. Although something we did today, um, it'll, it might not even be out by the time I release this episode, but um, when the, did you apply for the Warner Media Access Fellowship? It's, it used no, to be didn't. the HBO Fellowship. So one of the requirements of that application was that you had to write a 500 word uh, or 500 character TED talk um, about something other than writing. So it was oh, like, if you boy. had to give a TED talk, what would it be if it wasn't about writing? Um, just as like a an additional piece of the application. Yeah. And so Christina and I uh, were both applicants and we, sh- Christina wrote about how we could learn a lot about self-care from cats because she's like obsessed with cats. And then I wrote about how we should be more afraid of octopuses. <laughs> and I was like, what so, if we actually did the TED Talks? So we did she, and we're going to release those on Patreon. Oh my God, that's really good. I definitely want to listen to those. <laughs> if for no other reason to clarify whether or not she means Cats the Animal or Cats the Musical. <laughs> I refuse to tell you until you subscribe to my Patreon for at minimum $3 a month. I just want to find out if her secret is being jellical. <laughs> I mean, isn't everybody's? Whether or not we know it, we're all je- being jellical, and when we are at our best, aren't we? Just um, so anyway, um, you know what? Epi- Anyways, let's what get back to it? this podcast. <laughs> yeah, this episode isn't the most jellical. No, no, this is not. Uh, Bernard noticed it's most jellical for all sure. Right. This episode, season five, episode four, No Good Deed, aired on July 14th, 2011. It was written by Rashad, Rashad Rosani and Ben Watkins and directed by Jeremiah Chechik. So like we are in very familiar territory. This is like the most burn notice you can be without like Nick Sorbarios being involved. I actually at this point argue that this is more burn notice than Barrios. Interesting, like, because he doesn't have as many episodes per season. Yeah, he's been like, at this point, I associate kind of the default burn notice thing more with Rashad Rosani than I do with like Barrios, who has such a specific thing that he does. that's like less crucial to what the show is now. It's true. Like, yeah, he was definitely like old school OG burn notice, but thankfully we're moving away from that. Exactly. And so like, and Ben, Watten, ben Watkins, of course, you know, another like old voice from the beginning. Ooh, I feel like we haven't heard from as much in a while. So it's interesting that he's back and co-writing this. The premise of this episode, according to IMDb, is when Michael works with Max to intercept some files from a stolen tablet computer, Barry asks the gang to help his brother who is having problems with a hacker. Two episodes ago, we were like, where the fuck is Barry? What's happening? And now he's back. He's back. And has a brother. There's two he's of them, back. as they keep saying during Talk the episode. <laughs> But yeah, it's sort of, it's interesting. We'll get into it. You want, do you want to get into the weeds? Let's get into the weeds. Let's get Let's into the it. weeds. Let's be crazy. Let's be what crazy. If we Let's weeds? be bad. What if we just like got into the weeds? Yeah. <laughs> what if we did some jamming in the weeds? <laughs> Mommy, can I jam in the weeds? Mommy, I promise I'll be good if you let me jam in the weeds. <laughs> jamming in the weeds. All right, so it starts with Michael and Max in tuxedos at a fundraiser, um, trying to plant a tracker on a thief who is going to steal a tablet. This is an episode of television. I'm going to say right off the bat, this is one of those episodes of Bernetta's that like is kind of frustrating to me as a recapper. Like, not necessarily as a viewer, but as someone who has to take notes. Because it's one of those episodes that's so plotty that, like, you basically have to write down every single thing that anyone says because it's a plot point. It's, like, one of those plots that, like, you can't super explain really quickly. 
It's like this long like of things and every single one of them is important because if you take it out, like the whole thing falls apart. But like, yes, they're at this dinner. They're at what the voiceover calls a rubber chicken dinner, which is apparently an expression that I have never in my life heard before, but is apparently common. Yeah, me either. But also like, this is not my milieu. You wouldn't say that? That it is your milieu? I would not. But yeah, um, no, there is like this Swedish guy who like is at this fundraiser and he's got a tablet and it's got like state secrets on it or like proprietary software or something. It doesn't matter, but it's secrets. He's got, there's a tablet and there's secrets on it and someone is going to steal the tablet and they're not going to (gasps) stop the tablet from being stolen. They're just going to plant a tracker on the thief so that they can track it later. Uh, Yeah. It sounds like- Typical spy stuff as we are told. Yes, this is all- typical spy stuff like one of the things about having max around is that like and having like michael sort of back in a little bit is they get to be like no this is what spies actually do it's always so we get the same note the same voiceover and over over and over again about how spy stuff is boring because it's always like Mm -hmm. he's doing boring jobs with max but yeah but while they're waiting and doing all this stuff at rubber chicken dinner michael asks max about some inconsistencies that he's found in the case against the people who burned him and max tells him he sound great he sounds crazy and not to worry about it because Bree is right, which is which I always hate. <laughs> um, yeah, as but, soon as this starts, like, well, first of all, as soon as the end of last episode happens, I was like, oh, Chris is going to be pissed. They're definitely doing more burn notice bullshit. <laughs> and then as soon as this episode started with like, oh, your thing is fine. I still I still at this point maintain that Max was going to be a bad guy. And honestly, despite what happens at the end, also still maybe think maybe a little bit he might be a bad guy. Or he know. might just be going the way of... Uh, Oh, fuck. What was that guy's name who we were obsessed with in season two? I don't he was remember. like Michael's CIA contact, but we loved him. Oh, he yeah. He was so no, nice. And th- then he just died. Exactly. No, I think he's that kind of guy. Like, no, I think they're making yeah, a point. Yeah, that makes me mad. I think this episode is trying to make a point that Max is good. Ugh, hate that. Um, so boring. No, I like Max. Max seems fine. No, I wanted him to be evil. He would be a much better evil guy. Would he? Yeah, because he he's like a just he he's a he's a true company man. Like I like basically it's the I wanted them to do the thing where like they think they defeat Hydra, but actually Hydra is so embedded in the like government that you know you cut off one head, three more Hydra's emerge, not, sort of yeah. a thing. Or like, the and, like I kind that, of like, wanted Hydra's Max to be. Not like, like a organization it's just kind of an ideology that exists within people sure and then like and and max is like the reason he's like don't stop poking the bear it's fine we got them is because he is one of them and if he is like no we got them he can lead michael off the path i'm just saying no No, i don't think that's what it is i mean it could have been i don't know maybe we'll find that out we'll see i hope not because then you'll be right and as we've established i hate that but anyway (laughs) so that's so we established that the like the theft of the tablet happens it's a whole thing who cares they plan a tracker doesn't matter but it does because everything kind of matters in this episode it's there's too many things in this episode so michael i'm and, so sorry that you michael had to watch a television episode. are fixing the charger and michael tells fee that max told him to lay off the whole inconsistency thing and that he's going to do it like he's listening to max so fee is happy fee likes max because michael is listening to him and actually like not and he's gonna let it go maybe um, see that's also when i I thought that like ooh, but, maybe uh, however maybe, michael maybe, has to go meet maybe. max again right now which means that fee gets to deal with the client of the week who is 
Barry. Like, as you said, this Barry? is a Barry episode. Don't know where Barry's been, but he's back and he has a brother. Chillin'. His brother is named Paul. It turns out Barry's brother is squeaky clean while Barry is Barry. And this is a point of contention between the two of them. If you care, Barry's brother's played by this guy that's on The Big Bang Theory sometimes. I don't know. I don't know if our audience watches Big Bang Theory. I remember him because my mom watches Big Bang Theory. And I immediately was like, oh, it's that guy. He's a real that guy. But like, yeah, he's kind of squirrely, but like he cares about teachers because he works for like a teacher's union. Well, he's well, he's specifically what he does. And this is the case of the week is that Paul is an accountant for a teacher's credit union and an encrypted server with financial records has been stolen from the credit union. And the thieves used Paul's info to do it so he can't just like report it because then he'll get in trouble and he kind of wants to not get in trouble. Which, yeah, like, most of us probably want to not be in trouble. That's exactly. Fair. And that's fair. So he's gone to Barry and Barry's gone to Fee and the gang. And it's going to, it'll be very bad. Like the server is encrypted. So, like, it's not bad yet, but if they decrypt it, it would be very, very bad for teachers. Yep. Meanwhile, Michael meets with Max, who tells him that they tracked the tablet to this office in a shell company, and now the CIA wants them to steal the information from the tablet, because, you know, that's what they do. And Max is very upfront. It's like, yeah, no, we steal secrets. They steal secrets. There's also, like, a weird, Max doesn't like the French. Like, it turns out the French- I don't think I got that. No, no, like, no, like, apparently the French was, it was the French that stole the tablet. Oh, right, right. I do remember that now. That was a weird aside. It's a weird aside. He, he, call, he calls them the Frenchies. No, he called, like, he calls them a thing that I don't know if it's, if it's a slur. I, I don't, don't think know. you can be, you, I don't think you can slur against French people. I don't, I don't think, think so. But like, yeah, he calls them frogs. It's one of those things that it seems like it should be a slur. <laughs> but it's against white people. So it's like, fine. Yeah. Exactly. But like it does, it just sounds, it sounds gross when you do it, which I guess like he's a CIA guy. So he's America first or whatever. So he's not that nice. No. That's his one flaw is that he's racist against French people. Or, and he's definitely the big bad. I'm still maintaining it. I think Um, he's going to be like Sherlock from BBC and just come back from the dead for like seemingly no reason with no logic as to how he actually accomplished this. Yeah. Anyway, so they have to, like, get the info from this tablet. But the problem is that the office that it's being held in has, like, heat sensors and heat trackers. So, like, if there's, like, warm bodies in the room that it's in, it will get caught. But Michael says, okay, all we have to do is just make that whole building really hot. And Max is like... And nobody will think that's suspicious at all. And Max yeah. is like, great, you're so smart. You're I so love you smart. so much, Michael Weston. Oh, my God. Have my babies. Oh, my gosh. You're the one who's hotter. <laughs> no, you are. No, you are. Anyway, so Fee goes to find Sam to ask him for help with the Barry thing, but Sam doesn't want to, doesn't want to because he doesn't like Barry. Both of Sam and Fee separately in separate scenes go, there's two of them, like you mentioned earlier. Which, like, mm-hmm. here's the thing about Barry. Barry is kind of annoying, but, like, the show, the characters on the show don't like Barry it seems like not for reasons that Barry is annoying. Sometimes Barry is creepy. and But that doesn't seem to be their, their issue yeah, with him at where all. Where they're like sort of like equating the creepiness of Barry, like the sexual creepiness of Barry, with the way that he's kind of gay-coded. And that's uncomfortable. Well, they've always done that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I'm not yeah. saying like in this episode. I'm saying in general. Oh, yeah. Like, and so like, but it also kind of like makes it seem like they're talking about Barry 
like he's a bit a that he's a bigger character in terms of like the way that he's written like barry is kind mm-hmm. of annoying but he's not like a thing where it's like oh my god there's two of them and he's also kind of not on the show enough anymore where it feels like that's a thing like that's earned know? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel like this is earned. This whole like thing about them reacting. I mean, is to anything like ever I mean, earned no. on burn um, notice? I will tell you what is earned, and I'm glad it's happening though. Is the other reason that Sam doesn't want to do this is because he's hanging out at the spa of his girlfriend. Like this is great. There's this 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 scene takes place like at this like spa like by like a fucking pool, and there's like a woman giving Sam a manicure. <laughs> And he's just like laid well, out. They don't pay any mind to, at even though all. like they're definitely talking about stuff that presumably she would find is very suspicious. No, yeah, they pay no mind to this woman at all. He's just there, like he's laid out with like a with like a mojito, and he finishes the mojito and gets another mojito and immediately starts drinking it. And like it's like Sam at his most decadent. <laughs> I enjoy it very much. And decadent is a good word for it. Exactly. And Fee is there, like, oh, so you're kind of living high in this place right and she goes it'd be a shame if like there was like a hot woman who's coming and it seemed like you were maybe cheating on your sugar mama with this hot woman and so she starts like kind of like she starts like feeling him up a little yeah like she sure does and it's like and the thing is that like these two have a chemistry so that's not actually creepy it's very funny it's extremely good it's here's the thing fee is doing the thing that you do to me all the time and we also have great chemistry. Yeah. In this scene. But like, yeah, she's like, ooh, like, what if they think I'm like fucking you or something? And my, and Sam's like, no, 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 no. Okay, fine. I'll do it. <laughs> it's great. It's very fun. Um, it's extremely good. It's so good. Anyway, so Sam meets Fee and Jesse at the apartment of Griffin Keel or whatever, who's a career criminal and definitely the dude who stole the server. There's another thing that's kind of difficult about this episode where the A plot and the B plot are both about thieving. And so sometimes thieving? It, thieving. So sometimes it's hard to get like track of like which plot we're doing because they're both talking about thieves. But yeah, this guy definitely is the guy who stole the server, which is different from the guy who stole the tablet. Mm-hmm. And Sam wants to know why he has to be there to help with this guy. It seems like they're just shaking this guy down and that's They've already got Fee and Jesse. Why do they need Sam too? And it's because he's played by actor slash wrestler Paul White, aka Big Show, who is seven feet tall. No. Seven feet tall. He's Oh, that's Big Show. Okay, I was gonna look this up and then I was like, eh, this is Chris Chris's episode. I'm sure she'll figure this out. But I did see somebody credited as the Big Show or something in yeah. the credits, and I was like, that's a wild that's a wild name. Who is no, yeah, this? This, yeah, no, he's seven feet tall. He's quite large. Um, no, he's... He is quite the big show, He is I quite... Guess. And, like, it's... I think he was big at the time. I don't know anything about wrestling. So, like, I've heard of this guy. I've heard the name Big Show. And, like, I looked at his IMDb to see what he was doing around the same time. And he was doing a lot of, like, like Kids' Choice Awards and stuff, like... He was like, it seemed like this was a good moment for him. Hmm. He was in, oh, fuck, I forget. He was in some movie around, he was in MacGruber around the time that he was on this episode. That's I've the never level seen of MacGruber. Yes, that is, but that's like a very specific barometer of the level of fame that Big Show had at this point in time. 
but like good to know which i think is sort of interesting because they drop him like 10 minutes into the episode it yeah, seems he's like kind of like he's like uh okay bye like it seems like they're making a point of having him only to drop him it's a weird choice it is um, a very strange choice but like yeah but they make a point of like going in so like jesse and sam try to take down big show they go in they talk to him and there's a really funny cut where they're like trying to shake him down and then immediately like breaks through a wall while like yeah it's, a, it's men... a good comedy cut it's a good yeah, comedy they just, cut. Like, look at each other and like oh my god it's really good and then like fee comes in and shoots a beanbag at his nuts because that's what we're doing right now that's the episode that we're in an episode where like fee shoots a beanbag from a beanbag gun directly into the nuts of big show the wrestler Woof. exactly um, i was as soon as we knew that this guy was going to be big and they were like "Fee, just wait out here i was like oh man i can't wait for her to do season one episode eight yeah and fucking drop this big dude bounty hunter fee i'm so devastated that we don't see her anymore that's true me too bounty hunter fee was such a good like side thing although here's the thing i have a theory about this episode overall which is that someone has a fetish <laughs> for for like hacker goth girls well and for like large men being dominated by like small hot women and like fetishizing Which I bet it's Ben Watkins. But like yeah, there's something going on with like dominance in this episode. But yeah, so they tie up they tie Big Show up and uh, threaten to turn him in if he doesn't give up his boss, but he is reluctant to give up her name, which is Eve, because he's terrified of her. Eve, it turns out, is a hacker who's also stolen a ton of computers specifically to have hacking power to decrypt this server. Um well, and he's also scared of her, not just because she's a hacker, but because, like, like she destroys people who She destroys her. people's lives. Yes. And we're having the moment that we haven't burned at us sometimes, where, like, it's, there's a lady boss. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's this big man. But he's scared of this lady. And he says that the only way you can talk to her is with a referral. And so they say, well, you're going to give us a referral then. Anyway, we cut to a scene where Barry explains to Michael, who's involved in the Barry, this plot now. Like, I know, obviously, Michael always gets involved. It, but, like, they usually have a scene where someone has to ask Michael. It's weird that, like, he just it's weird, Yeah, that we're, like, missing that scene. Like, it's just, like, Michael's talking to Barry about the case. Like, we don't even know that Barry, like, Michael knows about the case. It's, like, a weird, it seems like there's a weird misbeat there. I mean, they owe Barry a lot. I feel, and, like, they definitely I think don't pay like, Barry for a lot of the work that he does to him. Like, I mean, I get it. Like, we've seen Bernos enough that we can, in our heads, write the scene where Michael says, I don't want to do that, and they make him do it. But, like, I don't know. I always like that beat. It just seems, like, weird that burn notice would skip it because they never do there was a lot going on in this episode chris as you noticed also there might have been a scene that they had to cut because they're like shit this is a this is a packed episode we There's don't have time so for much this. going on in this episode i don't know what the fuck was going on i don't know if like maybe two episodes were smushed together like what the fuck i i mean as a viewer it didn't seem like quite that much but i guess looking over your notes it does seem like there's there's quite a bit there's so much going on up in, in here but yeah Barry explains the details of the supercomputer, and Michael asks Barry to encrypt a file and, like, 
put it online so that Michael can hire Eve to hack the file and then eventually decrypt it. And Michael tells Barry and his brother Paul that they need 10 grand to hire Eve. And a very nervous Paul says that he can't afford it, so Barry reluctantly is like, I'll get the cash. Like, I literally do this all the time. It's also wild that he didn't automatically start with that. Like, first he makes Paul be like, I guess I could sell my watch. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of... The thing is that, like, these two, Paul and Barry, keep bickering. It's unclear what their relationship is beyond bickering. Like, there's not, like... Well, I like, think, like, Paul's the nice brother and Barry's the kind of, like, screw-up brother. Because, like, of early the in the idea, episode... But- but the thing Paul, is that, like, early in the, early in the episode, Barry's like, I didn't get an invite to my niece's birthday party, and yeah. Paul's like, Well, the last time you came, you brought an escort. And he's like, She's not yeah. an escort; she just wore a short skirt. And he's like, She inter- introduced herself as an escort. So, like, I think that Barry's kind of like the sleazy brother that doesn't really fit into the cookie cutter suburban, you know, Prius owning life. Although, so that was what I got from it. Although the way Barry describes it, and Barry is not trustworthy, but the way Barry describes it no. makes it sound like that Paul is the black sheep for being a nice guy well i think that that's probably more of how barry sees him i know but like as like a defense i think mechanism. that would have been a more interesting thing <laughs> that they're like this this life of crime family and yeah. then there's fucking paul <laughs> the thing is that like it doesn't seem like they have like an arc together it seems like they just bicker a lot about anything and then at the end they sort of like each other i don't know but like all the bickering just feels like padding (laughs) like it just seems like they bicker because they've been written as people who bicker and it's not like about anything which like people can be like that but we don't put it on television but yeah barry says i can get that cash big show introduces michael to eve who looks like okay what do you think she looks like i have here that she looks kind of like complicated skater boy era avril lavigne or like she looks oh, like that's good. Lindsay lohan in 2004 like freaky friday Lindsay lohan that's a good poll yeah i was gonna say like young isla fisher going through a phase yeah that, that led her to date sasha baron cohen god yeah i forgot that she did that but like specifically like she doesn't just do, a... did that they are ma- they are actively married that's right I forgot that she did that. Um, but like, yeah, no, like it's very obviously like a skatery kind of punk vibe mm-hmm. that she has going because she's a hacker. And she is, how old do you think this character is supposed to be? Um, the actress is in her like 20s. mid to late 20s. But like, yeah, I, I, I was guessing mid 20s. Like, I read the character is younger. Like, what? when I first watched the episode, I thought, like, I thought that this character was a teenager. <laughs> Well, she's just physically smaller than everyone else. She's physically small and and dresses like a teenager. Exactly. So, like, the thing is, Burn Notice is not a subtle show. So, when you show me, like, this small, young, like, girl who, like, dresses like a teenager, I think, I don't think this is a 20 something who dresses like a teenager. I think the thing that that I always assume when characters on television are in their 20s but dress like a teenager, which is that they're supposed to be a teenager, but we can't hire a teenager to do this role. I mean, I. I don't know if I would read that. Like she seems she like she seems like she's been working long enough that it would not make sense for her to be a teenager. But like she here's has the pre-established thing. That's what criminal relationships. To, that's why I thought I thought the joke of this was that she was like a prodigy. Oh, interesting. Just because she looks young? Yeah. I think that just might be that she looks young. I think that's but like it seems like that's part of the bit that they're doing cuz like part of the the bit that they're doing is that like it sort of is the sort of dissonance or humor or whatever of the fact that it's this very small young girl who's bossing around like this big wrestler guy like it feels like like the fact that it's like 
there's like a specific thing going on where it's not just it's a lady boss but it's like it's like a goth teen lady boss it i don't know that was like the thing that like i read from the episode which makes it even more gross that like michael's backstory in this episode is that he knows big show because they were both arrested for soliciting a minor which i don't know why that's in the episode I don't either. I, it's one thing, because, like, originally it was brought up when they were trying to convince Big Show to, like, introduce them to Eve. Like, we can call in a warrant that you have out. Yeah. Um, and then they try to get Big Show to, like, introduce Michael as, like, a common associate of his. But then when Michael was had to, like, pivot because Eve didn't believe no, him and had not. to, like, just pick one, he picked the one about soliciting a minor. No, but and here's I'm the not thing. The spy sure tip why. of the episode says that, like, you're supposed to make hackers feel smart. So, like, this was a trap. Like, the thing is that, like, the first alias is a purposefully bad alias. Like, oh, I missed that spy tip, apparently. No, yeah. But, no, like, I mean, I guess it, it does make... I think that the way that they were trying like, to make us understand this solicitation charge is that they didn't real like they it was a genuine they didn't yeah. realize she was a minor thing like it doesn't seem like this they're, they're trying to paint this guy as a pedophile we've had a pedophile character before it was written by alfredo barrios jr and it was I, he, but he, like he i don't was know the most pedophile of all pedophiles but i don't think that's what they were doing here i think they were just I, saying like these two men are dumb as sin i feel like it kind of is I don't know. I got the vibe. But again, like, and but the thing is, I think they're making it, it's there, but it's like less Barrios-y, pedophile-y about it. Because, like, the episode wants to have this character. Because I think the episode really fetishizes this character in an uncomfortable way. And so, like, it can't be too explicit with, like, the thing that it's doing. Because it also wants to kind of fetishize this character, this, like, hot hacker girl that seems very young and they like it makes me feel uncomfortable like it gets a little bit better towards the end but it makes me feel uncomfortable the whole time well luckily the actual weirdo is gone yeah and the but like yeah the michael weston weirdo is yeah is here anyway but yeah so that's the thing so michael says that he needs to get this like he needs to get this file hacked and then gives her a 10 grand down payment and then she asks for like ten thousand more dollars upon receiving the hacked file fee and madeline start tailing eve but eve loses them and so fee calls michael who says and michael says well we need to track her digitally it's not clear what this means it's <laughs> sort of nonsense and it, it, did you and what it doesn't mean digits are one did like do, digital is like fingering oh my god <laughs> but like and and like tracking people digitally is also it doesn't mean like they're tracking her online habits it literally means tracking her using computers or something i don't know if he says that would take government level resources and so michael decides well i'll just ask max my government friend <laughs> no you're the cute one so like he goes to max and max does not want to help michael but michael says teachers max teachers teachers are the trafficked women of this week yep so max tells michael that if he gets the info to find eve's hideout that michael can't go anywhere near the hideout because he's about to be a spy again he can't be involved and so michael's like that's fine i've got people for that which i did enjoy (laughs) so which we so we cut to michael's people samphy and jesse jesse's in this episode Mm -hmm. which he's been before but it's nice to know that he's here so samphy and jesse break into the apartment where Eve, eve lives but however there isn't any server there, any computer shit, and all they have time to steal before the cops arrive is shredded papers from the trash. Because Eve, at least, uses her paper shredder. Mm-hmm. So Jesse uses a computer program to piece together the shredded papers and finds 
uh, her phone info, which she uses to get her text messages, and finds out that she's got a buyer for these decrypted files and that she's going to meet him soon. The buyer is named Dean Myers, I believe is the same. So what Michael's going to have to do is hire Eve to decrypt the Barry file before the selling of the server goes down because Eve will have to use the same supercomputer to decrypt Barry's file as she's using to decrypt the file from the server. And then like he can go in and be like, I want to see the computer and, you know, standard Burnetta stuff. Do you see what I mean about how there's a lot of moving parts in this? Yeah, but like... Like, I don't know if you needed to recap all, all of it. it's kind of equally important, which means none of it's super important. It's always a thing where like if you skip one thing and then like three episodes later, that thing will become important. So anyway, Michael meets with Eve and offers 150 grand to decrypt the file and he has to be there when it happens. And also he like really leans in to like the fact that like he's a gross dude. So he just keeps hitting on her. Yeah, that's not great. But what was fun uh, from this scene that I liked is him trying to continue to establish, like, because it's kind of suspicious to say, like, I have to be there when you do it. But, like, the way that he sort of mitigates how that looks is that he is reading, he, like, takes a piece of paper out of his pocket and he, like, reads the instructions that are allegedly from his, like, buyer or something. I have to watch you do the encrypt or you know, or something yeah. like that, where he like mispronounces everything. I thought that was fun. That was that was a nice little detail that I thought that I was like, oh okay, yeah, I would buy that this dude is an idiot that like yeah. is just doing what he's it told. It is fun to watch Michael Weston pretend to be dumb. Less fun to watch him pretend to be a creep. But he barely he like leans into it so little, and he more just he, like, like literally the button on director. the scene is like I he says I can't wait for that first stroke. Okay, yeah, that okay. You know what? You got me there. That one was uh specific it was really specific the episode realizes that it's gross but it also kind of doesn't because the episode really likes fetishizing this girl and like yes she has like power in the episode but the thing is that like this episode also is kind of fetishizing that power and the way that the show often like fetishizes like fee's power and like the scene with fee earlier where like she like shoots fucking big show in the nuts like he gets emasculated by her but he's also a big strong man who gets emasculated by like this small woman who's like cool and hot and can probably and eats burgers and you know but like sure this is like i don't know it's a really fetishized cool girl fantasy in a way that i don't care for <laughs> Wow, especially bad. when like part of it is that it's like all of these older men and like these young women it's ugh, it's just the whole thing feels skeevy anyway so barry and paul meet fee while she's making a bomb and barry is also gross to fee but that's normal but he says that he can put the he can fake 150 grand in an escrow account and the bomb it turns out is to make sure that once they get the server back there won't be any info left on any of the computers that eve can sell paul is worried about this the brothers are start bickering and it's like there's just this is the point where i got mad at the episode for having too many things <laughs> like, oh that's fair like it can't be all of the things like it can be about barry's relationship with his brother or it can be about having a wrestler guest star it can be about a cool mean girl hacker but it can't be all of those things that's too many things i don't know if it's fair to say that this is an episode about like barry's relationship with his brother only because like that's just like a runner for the client meeting. You know what I mean? But it's also kind of the first thing that we establish. And like the fact that like we're making a point. I don't know. It's like because like Barry's brother is the client. Because that's the other thing is that like this episode takes so long to establish the thing that it's about. Like the like the first like 15, 20 minutes of the episode 
offer like four different things that on any other episode, like that would be the episode. And so it keeps offering new premises and then never committing to one in a way that I find very frustrating. Anyway, so um, meanwhile, Michael and Max show up at the office building where the tablet is being held and they pretend to be AC repairmen fixing the AC that they broke earlier. After some, like, chicanery, they break into the office and they find the tablet just, like, lying around. And they're like, wow, they're so, like, they're so comfortable. These Frenchies are so comfortable. They could Basically, never imagine yeah. that somebody, like, it, it, it feels like somebody has a weird thing against the French. And as a weird thing this, for being dominated by, like, I'm calling it right now that it's Ben Watkins. I, I'm, I th- I'm calling it in this moment that it's Ben Watkins. I don't think Rashad Razani is a freak like that. I don't think he is either. I think you're right. But yeah, at first I thought that this was going to be a plot point that the, like that the tablet was like bait or whatever. I still don't know for a fact that it's not, but yeah, they break into the office, they find a tablet, they just start copying files onto a thumb drive. And then we get, I think my favorite moment of the episode, which is legitimately funny moment where the two of them just sit there bored. Like while, just like waiting for the thing to download, yeah. Well, and just Being like kind of have boring, to make Chris. small talk, like <laughs> and they and then like Michael's like, "Hey, uh, sorry about that whole thing with the hacker," and like I won't do that all the time. And Max is like, "No, that's fine. You can do it. I won't always be able to help, but like, sure, yeah, cool." Like it also kind of establishes again that like we like Max. Max seems to be like genuinely kind of yeah. cool. See. This is where I was like, this is suspicious. Max is a bad guy. See, no, I think like that's the thing. Is that like, I mean, I was sort of suspicious too, but like given the way the episode ends, I think that's part of the point of the scene. But I love the way they just sit there bored. Like, it is very and, like good. the episode gives the scene for an episode that's really packed, it gives the scene time to breathe. It's like really nice. I enjoyed it a lot. Anyway, so Michael meets Eve, but she um, immediately drugs him and ties him up. Um, the way that she drugs him is legitimately really cool because like he gets in the car with her and then like adjusts the seat to push the, pull the seat back because it's like adjusted for like a tiny person but like on the thing the bar that you use to adjust the seat she's like put little needles that have like drugs in them i forget what she's mm-hmm. put in ketamine a, i think ketamine yeah and like that was legitimately cool I liked that a lot. Yeah, that was a that was a cool moment. But yeah, so she ties him up. She says, like, that escrow money was clearly fake. And so she starts suffocating him. And Michael says... Yeah, I was surprised that n- it never came up for any of them that, like, no, sh- no shit. That, like, why would you try to hack a hacker? Like, this obviously I mean, seems like a bad idea. I mean, they trust Barry. And, like, it always works. And, yeah. But, like, you know. I will say, like, this is the moment where I liked the character more. Because, because like... she seemed clever. Because, yeah. This was actually a bit where, like, oh, no, she actually seems smart. Where, like, I... I we... You and I both like it. We're both on record as, like, liking it when the villains are smart. It's true. We do. And that's, so... That's I, a thing about us. And so, like, I think from this point on, for this chunk of the episode, I am, like less upset by the character and more like on board with the character i think the suffocation bit is part of the fetish (laughs) Uh, michael says that he's working for the buyer dean myers who is the one who's supposed to be buying the server and he says that like actually no he's trying to steal it from you and not buy it and she's like no i've worked with this guy for years but he's like no he's definitely trying to steal it and he says but i could help you get back at him Uh, and so we cut to a scene of fee and sam and jesse waiting at what I assume is Carlitos. Of course. Waiting for Michael to get back from his meeting. 
Yeah, this is the eat. scene I was talking about in the last yeah. episode. And where, like, like because I don't think that it was specifically supposed to be a work meeting because, like, they were just, like, hanging out. Like, I wonder where Michael is and she shows no, up. No, no, they're, like, but, they're worried. They're, like, no, Michael They're worried, but, now. like, right. But, I don't know. But I they, read it, like. It didn't, as, but it didn't they, seem like a non-social meeting. I mean, but I think all of these Carli- Carlito scenes are partially social. I think, like, part of the thing is when they're done with a job, they go to Carlito's. Or, like, when they're done with and a day like, working. Hang out. But, but, like, yeah. I like that, too. No, I love that. That's like a very, that's a core thing about Bernettas. I love it. Anyway, so they're hanging out at Carlito's and then, but Michael doesn't show up and instead Eve shows up and this is great. (gasps) I like this. It's always fun when you have like the bad guy, like come to the good guy's turf. Some, and like, we had a lot of scenes of bad guys coming to like the loft. It like Carlito's feels weirdly more sacred <laughs> it's true yeah the loft sucks ass although i guess now that fee lives there maybe it won't be so bad oh no it's it's better she's putting up curtains barry talks about it mm-hmm. oh yeah um, yeah barry really likes the curtains yeah eve shows up at carlito's and lets them know that baxter which is the alias that michael has given has told her all about them and so they immediately realize that like well not everything because she still thinks his name is baxter fee demands to see michael and then proof of um, life of course proof of life and then uh eve says that like you can see him but also you're working for me now i am now your boss and then like i'll meet you and show you michael and then you're gonna do a robbery for me or i will kill him um yep so fee sam and jesse meet eve in the middle of nowhere and she brings out Michael at gunpoint. And Michael explains to them that, like, yeah, here's the deal. We're going to move all the computers into Eve's truck. And then, boom, it's go time. Or, or his exact <laughs> words. Actually, his exact words is baby doll's truck. <laughs> because the episode's just kind of gross. Yeah, it's not great. And so Sam's like, I guess we're still blowing up the computer. So we cut to the next later where Eve's buyer, Dean, shows up um, with a with a goon to pay for the money, like to pay for the server like he wanted and the decrypted information. And Eve arrives with Michael, who has to sell the idea that he and Dean know each other despite Dean's protestations. And to be honest, he doesn't do it very well. Like, I like that... Eve is like a smart character, but she has to be really dumb now. Mm-hmm. Because like it makes so much more sense that Michael is lying than Dean is lying. And they haven't like done a good job of like establishing why she believes Michael more than she believes Dean. I think it's more like th- th- there's the implicit assumption of every burn of this episode of like the bad guys are so paranoid of being screwed over that they'll they 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 would rather not trust than trust and i understand that but like the thing part of the thing with eve as a character and like the thing that you do on burn notice whereas if you want to show that a villain is smart it means that they have to not be fooled by standard burn notice stuff that is what it means to be smart in a burn notice villain and so watching the character fall victim to a burn notice villain problem and like this is a problem in general like i think with a lot of burn notice villains that are meant to be like smarter is that like in the third act they have to like suddenly be dumb again mm-hmm. and they never navigate that well no they really don't anyway so jesse fee and sam appear and tie up dean and his goon and start loading all the computers and stuff into her jeep including one extra computer that's got a bomb strapped to it and My- michael sees the bomb and then yeah. like 
Eve has the gang tie themselves up with zip ties, and then Eve pulls a gun on Michael, but does not shoot him for a long time, which is again a dumb thing to do. Yeah, I that was another one where I was like, why is she just talking? Of course he's like, you clearly figured out that something is going on. Do anything smarter. Exactly. Just one thing smarter. But the thing is that, like, because part of the problem is that, like, Michael is too close to the Jeep, so Fee can't blow it up. And so, like, Michael yeah. has to move away from the Jeep. The thing is that, like, this is a needless contrivance that Michael is close to the Jeep. Like, it, it yeah. would have been easier just to blow up the Jeep, like, and not have this, like, scene where she looks dumb. Because, um, yeah, because she's close to the Jeep, and it doesn't seem like she dies. No. No, she does not die. Yeah, because we they, they called the cops and got her picked up later. No, no, because th- this is important. Anyway, so they blow up the Jeep, and, like, she does not die. She is blown back and falls to the ground, and Michael walks over and steps on her throat. Yeah, that was a moment that they spent a little bit of time on. They did. And like, but I feel and like, about. and that's the thing is that like, cause part of the bit is while she's holding them at gunpoint, she's like, and while she's like double crossing them or whatever, she's like, I lied. And so Michael goes over and goes, I lied. And so the thing is that like, Michael has been powerless this whole time, but now he takes power back. Like this, this like hot girl can have power for a while, but as to be clear at the end of the episode that Michael dominates her, he literally Puts his foot on her throat. Mm-hmm. I'm he sure does. You, That's a thing that like, happened. Uh-huh. It is in the episode. Like, uh, this episode is just kind of gross. I, w- I will say, like, I would have given the episode a little more credit, though, and I would have kind of loved it if, like, while he was, like, going over and saying his baddest line, like, I lied. Which is not a badass line, by the way. They're trying to make it a badass line. But he's like, no, I was the one who did a lie. <laughs> but... I would you have know, loved it. like a liar. Yeah, I would have loved it if he was like, no, I was lying. And then also, just to, to be clear, I'm not like a creep. That was part of the, I'm not, I'm not a, you're, I'm not a creep, okay? I just want to get that on the record. I, I felt <laughs> the need to say that out loud. I'm not a pervert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I just want to say that out loud so everyone knows that I, Michael Weston, am not a creeper. But this episode wouldn't do that because Mike, it's having too much fun being a creeper. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Fee meets with Barry and Paul, and Paul and gives Paul the charred remains of the server and says, "Like you just got to say that there was an electrical fire or something." But the important thing is that the information did not get out. Sure, it's a moment where Fee says that Barry had saved them a bunch of times and that he's a good guy despite the fact all the things about him that they find off-putting, which are also all the things about him that are gay-coded. Yeah. And then Paul gives Fee an engine part for the charger, and they're kind of gross about Fee when she walks away. It's like almost as if to, yeah, prove that, like, although Paul and Barry are different, Paul's still kind of gross. Yep. Um, But before Fee walks away, she says a thing about family being important or whatever. And Barry uh, says to tell Michael to thank his CIA friend. Because since Barry himself tries to avoid the CIA, and Fee makes a point of saying, it seems like Max is actually a good guy, which of course means we're teeing up a scene in which things with Max are about to go wrong. Yeah, and I, like, at this point, I was still like, evil I was Max, too. evil Max, evil Max, evil Max. I was Max. assuming evil Max. Like, that scene suggests evil Max, but no, I think the point yes. of the episode is actually that Max is good. Ugh, anyway, boring. so objectively the most boring possible thing i mean yes but also like the fact that like the guy who like michael is working with is a bad guy is also boring because that's what we always do like i actually kind of 
found this less boring because at least the scenario that we're about to go into is different than, oh, Michael's handler is not on the up and up, which I'm so tired of that. Yes. Anyway, so Michael goes to meet Max at his office for a debrief only to find him bleeding out with a bullet in his chest and a gun like by his side. Uh, Max dies asking to say goodbye to his wife. And then gunshots erupt around Michael. He calls Fee and tells her that he's being framed for Max's murder. He tries to get rid of any evidence that was that he was there, which also gets any gets rid of any evidence of who did it. Uh, Fee arrives in the now fixed charger, which she fixed using the part that Paul gave her, and it gets the charger gets a that whole was a hero sweet shot. Scene. It was uh-huh. yeah. Um, it's a very bouncy car. Did you notice that? Very, like, the suspension is car. crazy. It's a spy car. Um, the spy mobile is what it say, says specifically. When when we started rewatching the show, and and I hadn't watched it in years, I'd forgotten how important the car was. This this show was I, like I, supernatural I about its car. I was just gonna make that comment. I was like, you could tell a show's about uh, written by a guy about guys because like they have a weird attachment to their vehicle. Yeah, it's like how in uh, Sex in the City, the city is the the fifth character. Yeah, in boy shows, the car is the fifth character. The car is the fifth character, and like it shows up, and Michael gets her out of there, and they meet up with Sam, who has more evidence that Michael has been framed, and Michael's like legitimately shaken by this, because like, well, fuck, I gotta work now, and that's like cool. I like <laughs> Michael being framed to me is more interesting than Max is a bad guy. Yeah, I agree. But that's how the episode ends. I still think he might be a bad guy. Like he I'm, could, I'm holding out hope. I think, but also he who might cares? Come back. Like. One I mean, thing one thing that the episode does understand and the show does understand is that Max is boring. I mean, yes. And like the thing is that like I am pretty sure that bad Max also would have been boring. So dead oh, Max sure. is better. Yeah, but this I, just I'm opens so up the possibility of a new boring guy. I mean, yeah, but like then that's like a possibility. That that also opens up the possibility, however slight, that there could be a guy that isn't boring. I don't I, think that 2% Chris I'm begging you I know but like with Max we already know <laughs> fair enough uh, you know you, you know what they tips? say Brie it's better the devil you don't know than the devil that you do mm-hmm. they sure do say that <laughs> yeah let's talk about spy tips okay yeah there's a lot of all of these episodes these spy tips are like almost a thing but not quite and I got rid of a lot and there's still but like all of these could be, but all of them are iffy. Pretending to be a belligerent drunk get, lets you get close to a target long enough to plant a tracker without them getting suspicious. Of course, if you plan on making a scene in a fancy hotel, you better get ready to pay the price. Anything? I mean, I think that that's, that's true. That's a thing that we've, like, you know, there, there, was a, there was a closing the distance tip a while back that was good. But this, like, is super specific about how to close the distance, which is just be drunk. Yeah. And you'll also, get kicked like, out. Like, and I also like that they acknowledge, like, you'll probably yeah, exactly. get kicked out, so you better make this one count. Yeah, I think this. I counts. did too. That's like that's what kept that kind of pushed it over the edge for me. Criminals who specialize in hacking are a special breed. They have the skills to find legitimate work, but they choose to steal instead. They're all about using their brains to dominate and control. <laughs> that's you really want this to be a thing. I think it's the episode ends with him standing on her throat. It's in there they're all about using their brains to dominate control that's why crafting a cover id that will succeed with them is a challenge they're not looking for an equal partner they're looking for another loser to sneer at so that's just what you give them do you think Um, that's anything this is kind of like the one from last week about you have to not be the alpha but it's more specific to hackers about like you need to like let them feel smart because they're hackers 
Yeah, I guess. I guess I see that as like a companion tip. Even the most security conscious firms rarely check their AC units for tampering. Access a ventilation system and with the right hardware, you can spoil an enemy's food, sweat out entrenched combatants, or just warm an office enough to make intruders invisible to heat centers. So this seems like something that would not have worked. I agree with all the things in the tip that seems like it would work, but I don't believe it. Like, if a place has security based on a heat sensor and their heat goes up, you don't think that they would have had additional security? Like, no shit, that's how it is. Like, I was expecting them to, like, I don't know, tape ice cubes to Michael Weston or something. (laughs) That would have been so much better. Bree, here's what you have to understand. They're French. Ah, yes, they just want to to lounge around in their jamming facilities and not have to worry about things like the AC being broken. Mummy, the AC unit is broken. I can't be in here, mama. How do you feel about this tip? I mean, I guess like the additional, you know, spoil their food supply, sweat out their entrenchment. Yeah. Uh, be invisible to heat. Like, that's a couple of things that it's like, hey, heat can be a powerful tool. Yeah. So I'll give it to and them it, like, on that a, ground. And but it's also I still like a maintain. Tool that's like easily accessible. Sure. But like, I maintain that it's bullshit that a place whose like primary security function is heat sensors would not find it suspicious that they acquired some really important de- intel and then their heat sensors are irrelevant. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just anyway, saying. You're just saying. Just put it out there. People are saying. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> Some have said. And also the fact that it happened like multiple days apart. Like had it happened like had they done it like set a fire or something, you know, where it's happening at the same time. Sure. But the fact that they had time to prepare and call a ventilation But I mean that was also part of it is that like that was also their way in. Yeah. But multiple days later, they don't have extra security. That one guy just runs away because of the gas. That's true. I'm the just, French. I'm, the French. You want to lounge around? <laughs> anyway, On yes or no? I don't give a shit. In their shaming rooms. No, this is a good tip, even though I call bullshit on the way that it was used. Cool. All right. One way to break into a secured building is to commit a decoy crime first. Create an obvious situation that explains why an alarm is tripped and people won't discover the real reason you stopped by. Is that. I feel like we've had this I before, like but I'm not sure. You like it? I don't know if we have. Yeah, I like it. A well, decoy crime. And because it, it, it works both ways. Like it, it yeah. helps you draw attention to a different area while also giving the person that you're like actually doing a crime against a understandable like, oh, okay, they weren't breaking into my place. There was just a crime in the building. Yeah. Okay, cool. Rescue line launchers are standard gear for most Coast Guard, mountain rescue, and tactical assault teams. They use compressed air to throw a line up 400 feet. Not the type of equipment you use very often, but when you need it, you really need it. Anyone who's ever climbed rope in gym class knows that you can't just slide down if you want any skin on your hands by the time you get to the bottom. And so he uses a shoe. Yeah, he, he like bends a shoe in half. That's the piece that yeah. I think was useful. And I mean, I guess also they they explain it's called a rescue line launcher. Like I would have just called it a grappling hook and the person at the Coast Guard store would have been like, what do you mean? Yeah, cool. That one's fine. So that's five tips. Yeah. I actually don't think my shoes would be very helpful because I I most often am wearing like rubber shoes. These days, I exclusively wear Crocs. It's been great. Uh, I don't give a fuck what I look like. I wear Crocs and mismatched like ankle socks to everywhere that I go and I don't care. Oh, Brie Castellini. (laughs) So I'm just saying like that would burn some rubber and that probably wouldn't be good. That would not. Yeah, that's five Pactol spy tips. Now, was there spycraft over violence in this episode? I I do think there was. There is, yeah. There are aliases and hacking. The violence was more sexual 
but like yeah. not sexual violence. Yeah, and you know it wasn't I mean? actually necessary. It wasn't necessary to solve the case. It was just there. I mean, he he did his alias work, and he like you know got clues yeah. to people. And anyway, uh, but yeah, it's there. Or that's the thing. Speaking of the alias, is this an alias that's anything? Kind of pervy guy? Do we like this character? I mean, he had a name, didn't he? I don't remember it, but Baxter he had a name. Yeah, Baxter. Yeah, he has a name. He's like the this greasy perv who's kind of dumb. Like that's there, there's stuff there. He's got he has a hair thing. Like he has like slicked down hair a little bit. Yeah, he's got like a hair his... thing. He has that. He did have that note from his boss. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's there was there was character work put into this character. I think that counts. Okay. Cool. Are at least two supporting characters used well? Uh, does Fee get to blow something up or be a protagonist? And she does get to blow something up. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Is Sam peace? Is Sam peak Bruce Campbell? I would argue that he definitely is in that first scene. <laughs> that first scene is so good. Yes. Like. I miss this Sam. I really do. I'm so happy he has a girlfriend again. <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah. Jesse, is he a distinct addition rather than a redundancy? Now. No. Here's the he's thing. A redundant- he's like more Here, redundant actually, this no. season now that we stopped having a plot with him. Okay. I'd actually disagree because the thing is that they have found a new use for Jesse. Jesse's point now is that, that he works for for like this private security firm so he has like a little more access to like equipment and shit the point is that like jesse is he the one jesse, that got them the coast guard thing no but he's the one who got like like he's the one who got like the software that puts together the shredded paper and like a lot what they're doing with jesse oh, right now true. is that like like he's and like other episodes in the season too it's like he's the one who's got like contacts and shit like like and he's now the guy that they use to like he was able to like use his job to find out her texts that is like his job now in the show yeah that's fair all right i'll give that to you so so does that mean that every time jesse gives them like a a new gadget or toy it counts i think it might because i think because i think last week it he it doesn't count i i maintain that it didn't count just because he just no, like he didn't give a gadget pinch hit week. yeah he just pinch yeah. hit and like was a like a little nerdy yeah. boy but yeah i think if okay, he's doing okay, yeah, something with his security like private security firm like i think that counts yeah okay i i buy that description i buy that better and i kind of buy it more than i buy it when like sam is like i know a guy and he told me some information. Like, it makes more sense when Jesse does it. I mean, I think it makes sense that Sam just has buddies. I mean, it, I mean, it makes sense that Sam has buddies. I don't say that it doesn't make sense when Sam does it. I'm saying it makes more sense when Jesse does it. So it's kind of a smart thing to do with him. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Okay, cool. Yeah, especially since, like, so that's Sam a... doesn't seem to be working for the government anymore. Like, he was at the beginning. Sure. Like, they're getting back. I mean, he wasn't even working. He was more being well, he was blackmailed like, by the government in he was the being beginning. Because they the were like, you like, don't get your pension unless we get our Michael Weston He was informing, and so, like, he had an in. So, like, but yeah. He was a freelancer. He was a private contractor. Sure. Madeline, did she get a, a character moment or be in the case of the week? No. Was she in this episode? She, once again, she was in the very beginning to, like, give them the case. Literally, she was like, hey, Barry's here. 
I'm gonna go do yoga. Oh now. yeah, I like she. She was. I would not even count that as her being in the episode. My God. I mean, that's yeah. Seems she like just like comes in to complain about her garage again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, Madeline does not. But that's a three for no. three for the spy team. So that's pretty good. I know. That is pretty good. Well, and that makes sense. Like Rizani and Watkins, that they're like sort of like core burn notice guys. I think like you can write a good, great episode of burn notice in their sleep. Um. So yeah, so that so, is officially a great episode of Burn Notice for sure. Now, is it a great episode of television? I mean, I had fun watching it, but like it was definitely not as tight as last week. It's very expository, no. like you mentioned. It's like, yeah, and it's messy as hell. And it's kind of like, I don't know what it's about. Like, it just yeah, seems like a really, lot There's of not really stuff. a theme other than yeah. pervert. There's not, a, like, there's not like a thematic parallel. The only parallel seems to be in like the plotting of the, it's all theme and like technology but that's not they're not doing anything with that it's literally just it's almost coincidental sure and yeah no the only theme that's going on is is like, one of them has a fetish ben watkins someone has a, fetish, has a fetish and like women dominating men until the very end when it's very clear that men assert reassert their dominance like it is weird that they got this like famous wrestler in the episode mostly to be humiliated <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of thing I I can imagine a burn notice writer's room being really into. But like, kind of, but also like, you would think, I kind of expected once Big Show showed up, that this was like a Burt Reynolds kind of thing, where like, part of the point is that like, oh, we've got this guest star. And like, he's, he's like a manly man. So like, we're gonna do something with that. And like, but no, it's like, literally, like, he fights for one scene, and then is like, literally shot in the nuts. <laughs> and then like he spends the rest of the episode like being like neutered i mean but like that's the kind of sense of humor that they have like they're I mean, the kind of true. people who name a chihuahua like big boy I mean, yes. you know i mean they are <laughs> this is true that's like i'm not saying that like that's their whole that's, thing i mean yes i'm just saying that like in this episode i think in this episode it's sort of working with this weird thing that's going on anyway Anyway, so this was once again an episode of television, but a great episode of Burn Notice. So the yeah. exact opposite of last week. Exactly. Uh, were um, there any yogurts in this episode? No, I don't believe there was any yogurts, no. Oh, Michael Horowitz is carrying this season's yogurt count on his back. He really Like is. Atlas. <laughs> oh my god. Well, with that, um, there's nothing left <laughs> Nothing else left to say but to thank Vincent E.L. for our theme music. If you want more from Vince, go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. And uh, other than that, bye. James. <laughs>